Church, you can open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, and our verse today is just one verse, Ephesians 1 verse 7. I know many of you do as well. I love sports, really enjoy watching sports. I enjoy following sports. Even sports I don't like, I enjoy following. One of the reasons that I love sports is that I love a good redemption story. Most everyone here is familiar with the story of Jalen Hurts. After a stellar freshman year as the quarterback the University of Alabama, that ended with a, a, a loss in the national championship game. He came back as a starter for a sophomore year, and he had another solid year, and he led his team back to the championship game. But in that game, after two years of, of being one of the best quarterbacks in the country, in that game, he struggled, and at halftime of that game, he was pulled, and he was benched for a freshman that hadn't played all season. And he was benched only to see his backup lead his team to victory. Now, this could have been demoralizing. This could have been humiliating. He could have been angry. He could have transferred schools. But instead, what we all saw as we watched that was, even in the game itself, him clapping, him supporting his team, and his cheering on, and then, and then working hard, sticking with it, persevering, do, doing his job as the backup quarterback. And, and the next year, his opportunity Came In almost the exact same situation, he found himself in the year before, he replaced that same struggling starter who replaced him the year before in the playoffs. And this time, he had the chance to lead his team to victory. And here's what we all said, is that Jalen totally redeemed himself. He totally redeemed himself. Now, what, what do we mean by that phrase, he redeemed himself? We throw that around a lot. We, we mean that he showed us all what he's really made of, right? We mean that he made up for his past struggles and failings. We mean that he, he freed himself from his old reputation through his play. Now, as much as we might love these sorts of redemption stories, you won't find redemption stories like this in the Bible. And here's the reason why. The, the Bible's full of redemption stories, but you won't find one where someone redeems themselves. You won't find a redemption story where someone pulls up their bootstraps and shows us what they've got and shows us that they had it in them all along. No, the redemption stories in Scripture are about people who could never redeem themselves. But even more, they are about a great and glorious God who is our Redeemer. Redemption is all over the Bible, but the, the glory goes to the Redeemer who is not the characters in the Bible. It's not ourselves, but it is God who redeems. And so we're going to look at Ephesians 1, 7 today. We're in the middle of an extended prayer of praise to God for all the spiritual blessings that he's given us in Christ. You remember how Paul begins. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul, Paul is just bursting forth with praise to God as he considers all the blessings that God has given us in Christ. He just cannot contain his praise to God as he considers the ways that he has blessed us. And as we go through these 
verses that, that, that calls us to, to say, are we doing that? Are we bursting with praise to God for his blessings in Christ? Is that where you are this morning? That is where God desires us to be. That is where I, I want to be. That's where, where we want to be is we consider the blessings in Christ. We don't just turn the other way and live, live our lives as if it doesn't matter to us, but we burst forth with praise to God as we consider the blessings he's given us in Christ. This is what Paul is doing in these verses. And last week we saw him begin to consider specifically what are some of these blessings. And we saw in verses 4 through 6 that he considered especially the the work of the Father in our salvation. how, How God the Father elected us. The blessing of our election. The blessing of being chosen by him in eternity past for a glorious future in his presence as his children because of his pleasure and grace to us. And as Paul considered that, he said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now in verse 7 and going forward, he's, he's going to take some time to focus now, especially on the work of the Son in our salvation. The, the, the things that, that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, has done in our salvation. The spiritual blessings that pertain to his work specifically. And the first place Paul goes is the blessing of redemption. The blessing of our redemption in Christ. Let's read verse 7, and we will look at this together. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. My hope and prayer is that as we look at this verse closely this morning, we would burst forth with praise as we consider that we have been redeemed. So we consider all that it means that we have been redeemed. So three truths this morning for understanding our redemption in Christ. We're going to see three truths that will help us understand the redemption that we have. And, 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 and as we understand these things by God's grace, that we would respond with praise and trust to our Redeemer. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace. First truth we see is the nature of our redemption. The nature of our redemption. What is redemption? What does it mean to be redeemed? Redemption, a definition of redemption that we can work with is redemption is deliverance by the payment of a ransom price. Redemption is deliverance by the payment of a ransom price. The the imagery comes from an ancient slave market where someone could buy back a slave for a certain price. That's the the main context that this image was used around the time of the writing of the New Testament. A slave market where you could buy someone back for a certain price. But, But also... In Paul's mind, in the mind of the writers of the New Testament, was not just that current use of the word in their time, but more importantly, the imagery was also rooted in the story of the Exodus. You remember, when God delivered Israel from slavery in Egypt, he says over and over again that he redeemed them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. This is what God did for Israel. He was their redeemer. He bought them out of their slavery to the Egyptians to be his own special people. 
and, and this story of the redemption of Israel out of slavery in Egypt to be God's people uh, fills the word with its meaning in the New Testament. To be redeemed is to be bought out of slavery, to be set free from slavery in order to be God's people. Well, well for us then, and when Paul says, in him we have redemption, that, that also must mean that we were enslaved, right? If we've been redeemed, we were enslaved. But, but to what? What were we enslaved to that required us to be redeemed? And, and notice in this verse... What Paul does, he, he defines redemption for us in a way that helps us know what kind of redemption he's talking about. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. Now, now notice, he doesn't say, in him we have redemption and we have forgiveness. No, he says, in him we have redemption the forgiveness of our trespasses. The, the, see the difference there? He is defining redemption as Forgiveness. Our redemption is our forgiveness. Our redemption is the fact that God has declared us forgiven. This tells us the nature of our redemption. It tells us that what we were slaves to is we were slaves of sin. And we were slaves to the guilt of our sin. And redemption is deliverance from that slavery to sin in God's act of forgiveness. This is the nature of our redemption. We were slaves to sin, and God redeems us in forgiving us. I want us to think more about our unredeemed state, our enslaved state, so we can really appreciate the blessing of redemption. What does it mean that we were slaves to sin? What does it mean to say we were slaves to sin? Essentially, it means that sin was our master. Sin owned us. You know, people talk about wanting, wanting freedom. But sin being our master tells us that, that we, were, we were never free to do what we wanted to do. No one on this earth is free to do what they want to do. We were enslaved to our sinful nature and sinful desires. All we can do is sin left to ourselves. All we can do is sin, and we cannot do otherwise. Listen to how Paul describes it in Romans 8. He says, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Do you hear those cannots? Right? Cannot. Cannot. What does that mean? It means that You are truly enslaved. It means that you cannot please God. You cannot submit to God. You cannot do anything but sin. This is our nature left to ourselves, is that we cannot do anything but submit to sin as our master. Everything that we did as an unbeliever was in submission to sin as our slave master. That was who we were. Good deeds, bad deeds, whatever looked on the outside, it was in submission to sin because we cannot please God when we were slaves to sin. Further though, because of this reality that all we could do was sin, it also means that we had accrued this unpayable debt for our sin. All of our sins, heaping guilt upon guilt upon guilt before the infinite holiness of God. 
God is infinitely worthy of love and worship. Just as we sang earlier, it's your breath in our lungs. If, if it's God's breath in our lungs, if he's our creator, then every sin is an offense against his infinite worth and holiness. He deserves all praise. And when we sin, we deserve an infinite punishment, an eternal punishment. What this means is that there was absolutely nothing we could do to redeem ourselves. Nothing we could do to pay our own redemption price. Nothing we could do to make up for what we had done. This is the helpless situation that we were in. It's the situation every person on this earth is in. Slaves to sin with no hope of self-redemption. Everyone you see, slaves to sin with no hope of self-redemption. And this is the good news that God has sent the Redeemer we need. In Christ, we have redemption. In Jesus Christ, God redeems us from our slavery to sin. God sets us free from our sin and its punishment. How does he do it? By declaring that we are forgiven of our sins. Since past, since present, since future, God declares you are forgiven of your sins. And that declaration of forgiveness, it breaks the bonds of sin over us. It breaks the chains of sin by our entire sin debt falling to the wayside. His forgiveness is our redemption. But His forgiveness... See, God's forgiveness is not just a a sweeping of our sins under the rug. His redemption was not just an act that he did with with no cost to it. But but every redemption, remember, redemption is to buy back, to, to, to purchase out of. A ransom price is involved. And in God redeeming us, in God declaring us forgiven, there was a price to be paid. Our redemption is free, but it cost God. What is the price of our redemption? This is the second point. The nature of our redemption is that we were slaves to sin, and God redeems us out of that slavery. But what is the price for our redemption? What is the price that God paid to redeem us from our sin? And Paul tells us, again, he says, In Him we have redemption through His blood. Through His blood. The blood of Christ is the price that God paid to deliver us from our slavery to sin and secure our forgiveness. Notice, Paul doesn't just say, through Christ, or through Christ's life, or even through Christ's death. He says, through the blood of Christ, through His blood. That's important language for us to understand because, again, it it harkens back to the Old Testament and helps us understand, why does Paul say blood here? Because Paul is referring to the sacrificial nature of Christ's death. Christ didn't just die. He died a sacrificial death. In the Old Testament sacrificial system, there was no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. An Israelite who sinned was instructed to sacrifice a lamb or a bull or a goat. And in essence, what they did was that sacrifice functioned as a substitute for the sinner. Its blood was shed so that the one who had sinned would not need to bear the penalty for their sin themselves. They had sinned, but in sacrificing this animal, the the animal essentially bore their sins and died as a substitute for the one who was sacrificing it. The shedding of the animal's blood 
in God's grace, he forgave the Israelite sinner. But, but the New Testament gives us a perspective on this, that these sacrifices had to continue over and over again every year. That, there, that new sacrifices were always needed to be made. And, and Hebrews 11.4 says it plainly, for it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. When you think about it, of course it's impossible. How could, how could, a blood, how could the blood of this animal rightly pay for my sins? It's impossible. These animal sacrifices were just shadows of the sacrifice that was coming. They could never actually redeem sinners from their sin. They couldn't, they couldn't match the redemption price that was required for our sin. And this is why Christ came. Listen to what Jesus said in his ministry. He said, For the Son of Man came not to serve, but to be served, and to lay down his life as a ransom many. That word ransom is a redemption price. To lay down my life as a redemption price for many. He came to be the sacrifice. He came to be the substitute. He came to be the lamb for the redemption of sinners from their slavery to sin. And this is exactly what he did when he died on the cross. Why did Jesus die on the cross? And how does the cross secure our forgiveness? Jesus died as a redemption price for our sin. And the cross secures our forgiveness because He became our substitute. And when He rose again, God declared, unlike an animal, God declared that His blood truly did substitute for us. His death truly was a sacrifice that makes forgiveness possible to us. And why? Why was His blood sufficient when an animal's wasn't? You know, Peter tells us that we are ransomed not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. What makes Christ's blood precious? Why could he be the redemption price? What makes his blood an acceptable redemption price for sinners like us? Well, first, it's the unique nature of Christ, church. Jesus is fully God and fully man. No one else has ever been fully God and fully man. No one else ever will be fully God and fully man. He is the only one who could say that he both is fully God and fully man. What that means in our redemption is, is as being fully God, he alone can bear the infinite weight of our sin against, against God's infinite worth. No human could ever bear the eternal punishment that we deserve, but one who is fully God can truly bear it all. For us, because he himself is infinitely worthy. But, but at the same time, he's fully man, which, which means that he can truly represent us. He can, if, he, if he wasn't fully man, he could not represent us. But he is one of us. He became one of us, church, so that he could represent us on the cross. And then what makes his blood precious is not only who he is, fully God and fully man, but also that Jesus lived a sinless life. He, he was a lamb without spot or wrinkle or blemish. He never sinned. His righteous life is what made his sacrificial death acceptable. This is why redemption is in Christ the eternal Son of God who took on flesh and lived a sinless life is the one who laid down his life as a sacrifice for our redemption. 
This is getting to the very essence, the very heart of the gospel, of the good news, of the Christian faith, is that we were enslaved to sin. We could not redeem ourselves, but God sent Christ to be our redeemer by living the life we could not live, being a, a, a lamb without wrinkle or spot or blemish, but then laying down his life as a ransom, as a redemption price for sinners, and, and, and truly taking on our punishment so that God can say, forgiven. And church, this should be precious to us this morning. Forgiveness is not just an abstract thing for us to know in our minds. Forgiveness is a personal thing that each one of us desperately needs this morning. You need forgiveness. You have sinned against God. That sin leaves you broken. That sin leaves you empty. That sin leaves you facing wrath for all of eternity. And you need God to say forgiven over your life. And this morning, if if there's a sin that you are struggling with, if there's a sin that is besetting you, know that God declares you forgiven because Jesus died for your sins. God declares you forgiven because He offered Christ as the redemption price. He buys you out of that slavery and that bondage, and the chains of your guilt are falling off in Christ. You are forgiven, church, in Christ. In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. But why? Why did God do this? Why did God redeem us? Why did Christ shed His blood for us? This brings us finally to the reason for our redemption. The reason for our redemption. What what was it that moved God to redeem us from our slavery to sin? What was the reason for this act of redemption? It wasn't because of the weight of our good works. It wasn't that though we had sinned, God saw what we were trying and said, listen, they're putting forth the best effort, I'll take care of the rest. And no, it wasn't because of the depth of our sorrow. It wasn't that we had sinned, but God saw we really felt bad about it and decided to, to save us. No, Paul tells us the reason, according to the riches of his grace. God is a God of grace. In fact, he says he abounds in grace. The wealth of his grace is unsearchable. The extent of his loving kindness to those who don't deserve it is is beyond comprehension. He is rich in grace. The riches of his grace is what drove God to send Christ to redeem us. The reason we are redeemed is that God is rich in grace. There's a story in the Old Testament that I think will help us see this better this morning. It's the story of the prophet Hosea. You know, God didn't just call Hosea to preach to Israel. God called Hosea to become a living picture to Israel. And here's what God did. He instructed Hosea to take a prostitute named Gomer to be his wife. That's what Hosea did. He took this prostitute named Gomer and he married her and she bore him two children. But she was not faithful to him. And she went back into prostitution. She went back into adultery. She forsook her husband and her family. And here's the picture that God is 
painting to Israel and to us through this is that God is a faithful and loving husband, but we are spiritual adulterers. We forsake him and are unfaithful to him for the sake of our sinful cravings. This is who he is and who we are. He is a faithful, loving husband, and we have forsaken him for other loves. But Hosea's story doesn't end with her leaving. You see, Gomer had become enslaved through her prostitution, and God came to Hosea and he instructed him, Go again, love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel, though they turn to other gods. You know what Hosea had to do? He had to redeem her. He went and he paid the redemption price for his unfaithful wife. And he loved her. And this is a picture of who we are and the heart of God in our redemption. Though we had been unfaithful, though we forsook him for our sin, according to the riches of his grace, he loved us again. He paid the redemption price to make us his again. There was nothing in us to draw him to do it. He redeemed us because of who he is. The Lord, the Lord, a compassionate and gracious God, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness and forgiving our transgression. You were redeemed because God loved you again. And God continues to love us again whenever we sin. He has paid the redemption price in full, and we are His. This morning, church, you may be a Christian. In this case, you can be helped by thinking back to who you were. You may not be. And this morning, what we need to start with and applying this is just freshly realizing how desperate is our need for redemption. We we desperately need redemption. This is what the Bible says about us, is that we are slaves. You may not feel like a slave as you live your life, but the Bible tells you who you are. Left to yourself, you can do nothing but sin against this holy, infinite, good God. Your sin daily is accruing a sin debt that you can never pay. You cannot pull up your bootstraps and redeem yourself. You can't dig yourself back out of it. You, you, you cannot redeem yourself, but you need redemption. This is the state that we are in. And this morning, first, just realize and accept what God says about you, that you are a slave to sin who needs to be redeemed. And then understand that God has provided a Redeemer he has paid the redemption price and receive, receive this morning the redemption that is in Christ alone. All that you must do is receive it by faith. And what that, what that entails is, is no good work. What that entails is, is no effort, no, nothing that you contribute to it besides coming to God and saying, yes, I am a slave to sin. No, I can never redeem myself. And I believe that Jesus was my sacrificial substitute. I believe that he paid the price 
for my sin debt. I believe that He took all my sins and that He is a sufficient ransom price for me. And I trust in Him alone as my Redeemer. Receive the redemption that is in Christ alone. And finally, rejoice this morning, church. Rejoice in the glory of your Redeemer. Again, back to where we started. We love redemption stories, right? We, we, we love seeing people who, who put it all together and, 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 and make a name for themselves again when they had tarnished their reputation or when they had failed in some way. That, that's, that's not what we see in Scripture. God redeems us because God is going to be glorified in that redemption. It's to the praise of His glory. To the praise of His glory. We, we, we don't look at our redemption and say, look what I did. We say, look what God did. I was, I was chained. I, I was in a dungeon. I, I, as the hymn said, that, that, that we, we were in a dungeon, chained, and, and, and then one day our chains fell off and the light burst forth and our heart was free because God is our Redeemer. And He gets the glory in that. And, and our joy is in that glory. Look at the joy of Paul in this passage. I mean, does Paul sound like someone who's... who's who's not joyful, who's not happy. No, he's in blessed be God. Praise be to God for his spiritual blessings because he's redeemed us. The joy in realizing that God is our redeemer for his glory is greater than any joy we could have in looking to ourselves. So this morning, rejoice in the glory of your redeemer. Church, this, this verse, this one verse, I was going to do more, and, and again, I had to stop and slow down. Because I, was like, I can't, I can't do more. This is it. This is the core. This is the center of our hope. This is what our faith is all about, is that we were slaves to sin. But God paid the redemption price. For us in the death of Christ, in the blood of Christ, according to the riches of His grace, may those riches appear rich to us today. As we sing, as we respond, how, how will His grace appear rich to you this morning? When you see your sin, remember your Sin. Remember your state. Remember your destiny. And then see the love and blood of Christ who redeemed us, though we did not deserve it. And let those two things well up to praise in your heart this morning. I want to pray for us, and then let's spend a few minutes this morning responding with Paul. Blessed be God for his blessing of redeeming us in Christ.